Please be seated. Thank you, guys. We're going to be looking at the same area from the Gospel of Matthew as last week. So it's the end of Matthew chapter 3, the beginning of Matthew chapter 4. Holy, holy, holy. The second temptation that we're going to be looking at, remember that Jesus was in the wilderness last week and he underwent the first temptation. We're looking at the second temptation by the evil one toward Jesus. And this second temptation is full of holy things. Holy city in which sits the holy temple in which is discussed Holy Scripture. All of these holy things play right into Jesus' strengths. Because what we're going to see this morning is that when it comes to the art of temptation, the warfare even of temptation, that Satan is like a spiritual MMA fighter. Right. If one thing is not working, then he's going to switch tactics and go a different direction. So you remember last week, the first temptation, he just went right for the, the nose, as it were. A direct attack to Jesus at his weak point. Hunger. Won't you make some bread, Jesus? But now, because that didn't work, he switches tactics and he employs jujitsu. He's going to use the strength of Jesus against him, and he attacks Jesus at the place where he is strongest, his spirituality, his holiness, his faithfulness, his understanding and commitment to God's word. Now, what I hope you're going to see is that this actually applies to our life as well. It's not just talking about Jesus's spiritual experience, because in the confirmation of temptation. Not only are we going to be tempted to the place of our weakness, which we can just almost intuitively understand, but it is just as likely that the place where the pressure to turn away from God, to turn away from his gifts, to forget his promises of who he has made you by his grace, those will come in the wheelhouse of our strengths, our gifts, our talents, the things that we are praised for, the things that we are recognized as being good at, that they can be actually used as liabilities against us. So I want us to listen here as God's word ministers to us and actually equips us in the task of having this better self-understanding and even equipping us to resist the temptation of the evil one who will surely attack us in this way. So hear now God's word. And I'm starting in verse 13, and I'm going to read through verse 7 of chapter 4. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. But Jesus answered, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. 
And he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him, and behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus answered, It's written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus said to him again, It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. This ends the reading of God's Word. Let's pray and ask for His help in these next few minutes. Lord, help us not to come in our own strength, thinking because this passage is familiar, we have read it, heard it read many times, maybe even seen it in movies, that we have complete purchase on its understanding and application to our life, but rather we want to come in the openness of faith, even as Jesus modeled for us and enables us to do by our sharing in his life by faith. Help us to gain some sense of awareness about ways in which we might be tempted to lean on our strengths, even strengths you've given us in ways we might be hamstrung and even debilitated in being faithful to follow you. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, remember we are thinking about our strengths, our gifts, our giftedness, the things we are praised for. So how does this second temptation go down? Well, you remember that the first temptation ended with Jesus quoting Scripture to resist the evil one, a very sure and, and resilient method. He, he just The devil gets in his face, he gets back in his face with the Word of God. So, right, remember, spiritual MMA, the devil's a quick learner, quick study, shifts gears. Okay, I'm not going to be able to outthink him, so I'm going to need to use Scripture. Ah! Jesus, you, you, you believe in the word of God? So good. Well, let's step out on that belief that you have in the word of God. I want you to dare the risk of faith, Jesus. Just, just, just live by faith right here. Let's, let's just be very literal here and listen to the word of God. And, and I'm not asking this for me, Jesus. Uh, and, and don't even do it for yourself. Rather, would you please glorify God by showing Oh, just show him that you really trust him very specifically, very practically. Get real, get radical, trust in those promises that you have. Get on the temple, baby. And as Van Halen says, might as well jump, right? That is exactly the temptation. He targets Jesus' forte, where he is strongest, where he is most secure, his gifts. And he asks him to really prove, living by faith, to really prove 
that he is beloved of God. All right? Now, he shifts tactics, but really the aim is the same thing, doubt. Now, if the evil one can get, all right, see this, the air quotes, spiritual to challenge Jesus at the center of his identity, his capacities, his resources. He is the son. He knows scripture. In fact, he wrote scripture. He breathed it out. If the evil one can attack that way with that one, Likewise, it is an avenue for him to tempt us at the place of our strengths as well. And maybe that's where you and I are most susceptible in our walk with Christ, in in the things that God has given us, in the strengths and our capacities, both natural and how we have been invested at at, at new birth with these spiritual gifts that uh, Scripture talks about. Because if you're like me, you know at least in some places where you are weak, right? Maybe it's pridefulness or maybe you have, uh, you're too quick to, to pop off with your mouth. And so you're going to guard your flank where you're weak, all right? I'm going to go into this situation. I'm going to count to 10. I'm going to go in. I'm going to pray before I meet with this person. You know, you'll, you'll guard yourself. You'll, you'll prepare because you know where you're weak. But sometimes we are blind, maybe prideful, in areas of competency, in giftedness, in the, in the ways that people praise us, in the things in which people say, man, you are really good at that. You're really helpful to the church in that. For example, maybe you're praised. Maybe you are recognized for your confidence, your poise, your leadership. You, I don't know if it's quite type A, but you, you are someone who takes charge. The Lord uses you to get things done, right? You move the ball down the field. And others recognize this and they give you responsibility and they're very thankful for you to do that. This is where very often people will come to you for help because they realize she gets stuff done and there's fruit from what she does. So let's really put this on her plate. But haven't you found, if that's you, it's Kind of easy to be blind in, to, it, blind in ways of which that this capacity, this strength that you have to get the ball down the field, to get stuff done, has actually made you blind. Or rather, it's shown that you have some liabilities. And liabilities in this way that you'll steamroll people. Yeah, you get stuff done, but you will go right over the top of someone. And you won't listen because you're so confident in what you know and in, in your past success that You don't really need to listen to them. What do they know? I'm the one who gets stuff done. And you don't really tolerate folks disagreeing with you. And maybe that even looks like a kind of pridefulness. Yeah, you can cloak it in some spirituality and some Bible verses, but there's this kind of self-confidence that doesn't look like a gratitude or a thankfulness that goes from your life. But maybe that's not you at all. Maybe you're like, I don't know that person. At least that's not me. Maybe you're really quite the opposite. And this is almost at the opposite end of a personality spectrum. Maybe what people have so appreciate about you is that you are easy like Sunday morning. You are laid back. You are chill. There is not a bit of drama around you. 
People just come to you because you are peaceful, because uh, you are laid back, you are conflict averse. And this is good. And actually, in, in, in some ways, just by your presence and your ability to, to, to be chill, you, you, you kind of bring good things. But I wonder if maybe that same strength, and it is a strength, we're not, we're not denigrating these strengths, but that same strength, you can so depend on it, so lean on it, that it actually... You, you become blind to how indifferent you can become to real drama that is going on, to, that you can become passive in ways that cause harm to others because you don't, you're averse actually to getting involved where there needs to be actually be some drama. And you don't care because it doesn't affect you. I think I, I can speak for our denomination, the Presbyterian Church in America. One of the things that we have been known for in our, I'm actually older than our denomination. I'm 46. The denomination's about 44, 45. One of the things that we've been known for is how together we have our theology, that we're able to explain the Bible in a way that's comprehensive from Genesis all the way to the maps in the back, right? We can tie it all together and give an account that's centered in Christ. And this has actually been helpful and good. As small as the PCA is, we've been able to outpunch our weight and have influence beyond our numbers. And yet, being told so often that you're so smart, you kind of forget that sometimes you are so wrong. And just this week at our General Assembly, we had to deal with the fact that generations ago, we were wrong. Now, I'm thankful for the fact that we were able to point out that we were wrong, but we were blinded in our theological precision to ways in which we had just been passive and indifferent to things that had been happening with our African-American brothers and sisters, particularly in the South. And the PCA is a denomination that was anchored in the South. And just even this week, we confessed and repented of both past and present expressions of racism, right? But I think that was fueled not so much by an act of racism as much as a pride. We can't be wrong. Now, that's our denomination as a whole. But the issue for you, you could be something completely different. It could be some other strength, some other ability. And the tempter's way, the devil's way, is to get you to prove your strength is your strength. He wants you to lean into it with more zeal and more confidence, and with a, a narrower focus such that it's almost like a fanaticism. but maybe feel like a fanatic, but it's just an overarching, overcompensating zeal to lean on your gift in such a way that you can't be critiqued. And, and I, I don't want you to let it escape your notice um, how these extremes are parsed out here in these first two temptations. He says, the devil says to Jesus, take this leap of faith. Be extreme. Be radical. Jump to God. You see, the first temptation shows us what? That you can turn away from God by being carnal. Just focus on the material needs. I need the bread, right? We just need to focus on what's going on right here, right now. But then the other temptation says that you can turn away from God. That you could listen to the suggestion of Satan. Uh, of Satan by being super spiritual. I mean, it's another sermon for another time, but it's almost saying the two, way, the two ditches you could fall in are a kind of theological liberalism and then a fundamentalism. That both of them are ways in which you can be self-interested, caught up in the suggestion and the devices of Satan. 
And it doesn't seem like you could be too spiritual, right? That you could get caught into this fanaticism. But see, this, even this temptation, this second temptation, the devil is trying to get us to prove by this temptation, to earn, really, what God has already given in Christ by grace. So one kind of, uh, of fanaticism is this super spiritual shell game. How far can you go to prove that you are really committed, really sold out, really on fire for the Lord? You're missing out if you're not just going that next step, that next experience, the truest expression of community. And I would suggest this is even why people church hop in some way. And it's always evasive. It's never found. But what Satan is saying is if God's love rests on you, if you are truly beloved, if it's really yours, then it has to be displayed in something spectacular, something obvious, something more real than these other boring Christians have just in their mundaneness. And so you need to jump. Man, that could almost be a series And this is in my congregation, so I'm not going to stir things up beyond that, but other than invite you to think about that. But notice what Jesus' response is. What does he say? He doesn't jump. He doesn't jump. He's not a religious fanatic. He's not a zealous, a zealot. And we're not called to jump either. Instead, We're called to live by trust in God. See, instead of really proving himself in the super spiritual realm to the devil, right? Because wouldn't it be a temptation? I'm going to show you. I'm really the son, right? You were cast off. I'll show you how much I trust God. Jesus doesn't do that. He knows that, in fact, to test God is not To trust God. And in fact, the cautious, the mild, the day in, day out faith is no less faith than the bold faith. And for Christ to jump into the arms of God from the temple without good reason. Or without some kind of useful service to others. To simply get a second blessing. Or to get surer proof down where he feels it. Of what he already has because of what God has said in his word and because of baptism. That would be presumptuous. That would be sin. That would be tempting God. I do want to say that there are times for bold faith. Times for cautious faith. So the question that lays before us is then, well, how do you know? When do you step out in faith? When do you step back in faith? How do you know? The same way that Jesus knows, and we're actually giving it here. How do you know? Scripture. Remember what we talked about last week, that it's a matter of being shaped and formed by Scripture. Jesus believed Psalm 91. Psalm 91, by the way, is the passage that the devil is quoting to him to try and get him to jump off of this building, of the temple. Jesus believed Psalm 91. He knew what it meant. He knew that it meant that God graciously oversees and protects his children. He also knew that it didn't mean that God called him to jump like some lemming, like some fool from the top of the temple. Why? Because to jump 
would make God the servant. To jump would put God at the other end of the relationship, which is always us serving, worshiping, and being devoted to him. See, for Jesus to jump and expect God to come to his rescue would mean that in a sense God was following him instead of the other way around. So what does Jesus do? Well, Jesus knows a little MMA as well. He knows a little jiu-jitsu as well. So he redirects with Scripture and teaches us how to read and apply it in our lives, especially at the point of temptation of our strengths, of our gifts, of those things that we're good at, that we're tempted to rely on to the neglect of other things. Now, first of all, it shouldn't escape your notice that Jesus is no strict literalist, right? If he were, he would have just jumped right off. He would have just applied that passage in a very uh, narrow way. But we should also see that the Bible needs to be looked at in relationship to the rest of Scripture. So what does that mean in Psalm 91? Is this passage being used rightly? Is the best use of this passage for me to go flinging, taking a flying leap off of the temple? What does the, the gospel and messianic witness to God's purposes say about this passage? And here I'd suggest is the key for our understanding. And in, in, in reading Scripture and understanding Scripture, something we do together. Will God be served or will God be the servant of my will by applying the Bible as suggested? You see, whenever Scripture is ever used to encourage behavior to encourage practices that most of the rest of Scripture, the heart of the Bible, discourages, then we're in enemy territory. Then we have gone off the trail. And God is not our tool, our instrument for us to be super spiritual. You see, the emphasis, and really that's the whole emphasis of these temptations, and we'll be looking at the third temptation next week, which will end my first half with you this summer. The emphasis on using the Bible correctly is key for us. And it's something that we have to do in community. It's not private. It's not localized just to our feelings. It's how we, we share and the Spirit works in the midst of us. And so that's why Calvin can say, let us borrow the weapons for the defense of faith from no other source than Scripture. We don't need anything else other than what God has given us in the good news and the good news which comes to us in the Scripture. What, is, what does Scripture give us, especially Scripture as it's read in community with one another? It gives us, and this is what we so desperately need, this enforced objectivity, right? We need other perspectives looking in on our life, helping us to see where our strengths are, where our weaknesses are, where the weaknesses in our overdependence of our strengths are. And the Bible helps give us that by the working of the Holy Spirit. Because what does this passage teach us? And this is something that we need to know. Our strengths can undo us. Tear us down. And so in the second temptation, Jesus, our messianic teacher, prophetically teaches us what? To be loyal subjects of God. Not ourself, not our will dressed up spiritually, but of God alone. And that we hear God in Scripture as a gathered community. In this temptation, Jesus teaches us this, that at the end of the day, God is God. Let's pray.
Lord, in your mercy, please hear us, protect us, give us better insight into ourselves and to one another, not tossed and turned about on waves, not blown about like a leaf in the wind, but rather anchored by hope to the very person of Jesus who has revealed himself sufficiently in a good enough way in Holy Scripture. Help us to be faithful hearers first of your word. Faithful listeners and good brothers and sisters to one another that we might bear one another's burdens, give deeper insight into each other's lives so that we might run the race and finish faithfully. Not deluded and deceived, but indeed lifted up by your great strength. It's in your name we pray and for your sake. Amen. Please stand as God calls us in response to his word to confess our faith together. And this confession is put together, it is cobbled together from different passages of the New Testament, from the Gospel of John and some of Paul's writings. What does God the Father want you to know and trust? And what does God the Spirit enable you to confess and proclaim? What is the grace and truth of the revelation of God? And who is the Lord of your life? Who is the Lord of the church? And who is the Lord of heaven and earth? Amen. Would you now take a few moments to greet one another in Christ? Say hello. Welcome guests and visitors and pass the peace of Christ to them.